Editing Jackie here. Um, just before the episode starts, just a heads up and apologies for mic peaking uh, during this episode. We were dealing with some new setups, um, and so it doesn't sound the best. I did what I could. Uh, but yeah, if, if you're listening, honestly, I recommend not listening with headphones. Uh, <laughs> if you are listening with headphones, thank you for dealing with our bullshit. Uh, hi, and welcome back to Queerly a Podcast, this time with both your hosts. I am Jackie. I'm Liz, and I'm finally here. <laughs> They've finally uh, gotten fully moved, fully, fully moved in? Ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a month. Um, we're finally in the same area, too, so we will eventually have the, the in-person stuff, but right now it's kind of gross out, so we're not doing that. Um... Uh, today we're going to be going over Arcane, which been ho- wanting to go over for a while, um, but, you know, it's a big series, so it kind of requires both prep and time, um, but we finally got to it. Uh, spoilers ahead, of course, if you haven't seen it. It's been out now for, what, like a year and a half, maybe? Yeah, I think it came um, out early uh, 2021. Yeah. Yeah, so November 2021. It's been out a bit, but it the the initial advertising um, definitely is gamer focused, which may turn people off. I went into it not knowing anything about League, and for the better, I would say honestly, um, because it's very different. Uh, and I def I do recommend it for like anybody. Seriously, very very good. We both love it. Um, and. Yeah, so we are going to dive right in. So, beginning with Act 1, I suppose. Um, the child actress who voices Powder is amazing. She Apparently, she was about 11 when they were uh, filming. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, now she... It's funny, because um, they... I was watching... They, they released a behind-the-scenes uh, series, essentially, on YouTube, on the League of Legends channel. And so one of them was about the voice acting, and she had voice. She had done the actual lines. I think she said three years before it dropped, or something. Three or four years before the actual series dropped. Oh, so she's and like a adult so, now. So yeah, so she, <laughs> well, now she's adult, like the adult, the interviews you know. they did. She's like fifteen, sixteen now, um, and talking about like what she did when she was eleven, which you can tell it's a little like. She's trying to fully remember, but which is valid, super valid. Um, but she was so good, like it was, it was gut wrenching, dude. Um, you don't see that a lot with kids, especially in like animation. Oh yeah, like usually when you have kids voice acting in it, or when you have kids in animation, most um, like TV shows, uh, like cartoons and whatnot, are voice acted by adults doing like doing voices for children which is perfectly ser- serviceable and allows you know a lot of really really solid performances to be delivered but it is like a striking performance from jinx's voice actress who is 11 years old and, and giving a very very like complex emotional performance for this character you know she's not just like having you know she's not she's not it's not it's not a very like kid-friendly plot all things considered and she, no, she does don't, absolutely don't don't recommend it. it for for kids under maybe like very mature 11 or 12 year old period 
Yeah, I, w- I would probably put it at like a 12 or 13 year old is probably a better age group. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, definitely. But that first act, man, that first act is. It sets it up so well. I it mean, it's all heart wrenching, so actually. Well. That that intro as well. The it sets the tone very. It's I don't want to keep saying well. It sets the tone perfectly. I'll say <laughs> instead of well, um, with the intensity of the colors and the mood, as well as the singing. Um, they have powder just singing this kind of haunting tune. Simple, very simple, but uh, provocative and uh, pro. Well, I mean, provocative in terms of um feelings of like anguish and war because it's essentially talking about um like i guess you could say almost segregation but more just separation between two groups of people um and it's staged in the middle uh or i guess in the middle of the aftermath of the conflict um you see all the dead bodies you see how she interprets it with the, the use of like squiggles and 2D uh, assets within this 3D environment, which I think is really, really cool. I always love when uh, 3D projects do that. Um, oh, yeah, the mixed like media. I don't also, I don't know if you can hear there's a car horn going off. Yeah, I can hear it on my end. God at least. <laughs> damn it. Yeah, oh, well. Yeah. It, did, um, it, it sounds like it stopped at least. It hasn't, but. Oh, no, I hear it now. Oh, oh. It's when you talk, I can hear it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> well, ignoring that. Um, uh, yeah, the, the, so the tone. In fact, this is something that is really intriguing. If League wasn't the game that it is, I think it would have so much more of a, a popular appeal because of the, the artwork and art style and, and the visual sort of world building that the artists and the team the the development team on league does is so like beautiful and a very cool sci-fi but you know sci-fi urban fantasy almost mythological in some aspects um of the the like game's lore of which it has a lot and the show is really only like a teeny tiny like slice of what's actually going on in League, which I think is to the benefit of the show because it it's means- also it's also different from League lore, which is yes. not as good in my opinion. As oh, it's the totally shows. it's a it's approved upon I improved upon rather of the, yeah. of the actual like lore that like. <sighs> League being as old of a game as it is and having for a long time, I think, appealed to a very specific audience, this show kind of takes a step back and is like, how can we make these characters in this world, which is very interesting and beautiful and dynamic, uh, appeal to people who are not League players? And they do a really good job at that. And I think that Jinx's perspective... uh, that they show us, which, as you were saying, that those like two D meets three D sort of assets, and it's very, it's very comic book. In fact, if you're, I think if you're a fan of like the Harley Quinn comics or like anything like maybe even like Tank Girl or any any of those like sort of like very bombastic visual styles, you'll you're gonna find like interest in 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 Jinx's sort of perspectives the best because. They're really, really cool. Very, very bright. Very sort of like scratchy and and sort of organic uh, shapes going on. 
Like, she's such an interesting character, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they add, they definitely add a lot more complexity to her outside of being, like, she initially very clearly was um, a an off-brand, uh, like, a, a, like a bootleg Harley Quinn. That was, like, yeah. the whole essence of her original uh design and character a lot of i mean a lot of the characters in league originally were just kind of bootleg versions of uh world of warcraft characters because that's where it essentially comes from um as well as other yeah so like um like warwick is the whole um warg or varg or something uh that like yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so because i think apparently originally it was they were making they were like fans of world of warcraft who were trying to make a moba ver- like moba that used like world of warcraft as its base and then had to like change it um because mm-hmm. obviously blizzard was like no we're good um but yeah so there there you can see the remnants of that but they've definitely added more actual character to all the different characters as aptly named um in the mm. show, and def- I think in part, um, the one of the biggest factors of this is the added dimensions to the female characters, and a lot of that is due to um, the use of female writers, especially one whose name escapes me right now. I want to say her first name is Amanda, um, but she apparently went in and basically rewrote uh, the entire introduction. She added a lot of the sibling dynamic between Vi and Jinx, um, which, as sibling, really, really works. Um, oh, Amanda Overton, the executive yes, story Amanda, editor. Yes, Amanda Overton. Yeah, she did a phenomenal job. Um, she also uh, was the one who uh, introduced the idea of certain moves for Vi, because she studied, she did some research into kickboxing and, um, and Muay Thai. If I'm saying that correctly, um, yeah, Muay Thai, yeah, yeah. Muay Thai. I I used to call it Mai Thai, so I understand your. That's what <laughs> which I is thought it was. Yeah, that's what I thought it was originally. I thought they both were just called Mai Thai, and then I was like, no, this isn't right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she was the one who introduced a lot of those elements, um, which honestly caps off to her. She did an amazing job, um, and what and she also I think was one of the driving factors for a. Um, for the amount of agency that the female characters get oh yeah this is definitely like a a female focused story i would i would i would probably say that there's like two main protagonists and four main characters or 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 three main characters and two main protagonists um Mm -hmm. depends on how you want to qualify jinx um yeah but you have Vi and Jinx who are who are very important characters who who we start the act one is is like fairly well focused on Vi and Jinx and who they are, what their situation is, and also just showing us what like what Zon is and like showing us the deep um inequalities that are present in Piltover and in Zon. Um and like doing a lot of that sort of establishing uh story work that's familiar to us but is also like again visually it's a stunning stunning show and it that's also shown in it's like in its backgrounds like one of the main sort of uh uh 
locations that we see is this bar that Vi and Jinx kind of hang out, are, are raised in the back of by by their father figure um, with some other children. And we one of the first scenes we see is them doing like a, a running chase out of Piltover and back through the like sort of undercity of Zaun. And it's, you know, it's a very clear sort of representation of there is like even like I think an exaggerated sort of socioeconomic divide like Zon is this pristine no sorry <laughs> not Zon Piltover is this like pristine gorgeous city it is like its color palettes are like marble and gold and blue and very like just just very almost not I don't want to say Grecian but like it, it has that kind of vibe in color scheme and then Zon's mm. colors are like greens and muddy browns and purple which purple as a as a use of um as a as a use of like not evil but showing something as like a little bit darker is always a fun color choice um but it's also like <clears throat> they're both vibrant places even though one is meant to be like sort of crusty and like gross and the other one is supposed to be clean and nice they're both like very very vibrant i realize i'm talking a lot to the like visual um aspects of the show but that is what is most striking i think to people when they first start because they're like this is a video game series why is it like one of the most gorgeous animated shows we've seen in like years yeah and the character designs as well um they i i really love the fact that they went with asymmetry with a lot of the characters to make them more like people you like ordinary people they aren't really um supposed to all look like models i mean jace the the whole there's jace <laughs> um i mean jace <laughs> <laughs> but then there's thing there's small things like um with caitlin she has the thing where one eyelid comes down a little lower than the other um and asymmetrical placement of her eyes um which is a thing that exists in the real world um they they will purposely have shots where the characters they don't look good they don't look what you'd usually expect from a movie or a show where they want the characters to look good the whole time um they will their faces will be deformed in a way that you would see someone's face deform in real life if they actually did that action or emoted in that way um oh, yeah yeah a lot of saliva uh <laughs> oh, a lot of sp spit blood is also uh, a popular one and sweat Mm -hmm. there's fluids in this show um and i don't <laughs> and they're say all that to 2d they're 2d animated fluids as well they used um 3d uh software to get the actual um like fluid dynamics um and all of that and then they used 2d texturing and overlaying uh to give that certain Every th every single frame looks like an actual painting and so that's the effect that it gives yeah yeah it's a very it's like it's like these very painterly textures over a sort of 3D sort of uh, framework and then elements of 2D that are added on top of that. Um, and it's just, it's just really good. And I, and I, I, I want to like highlight what you said about these characters are designed to look realistic in the sense that they are, I mean, like Caitlin has blue hair and Vi has, has, pink hair and it's not you know it's implied that those are their natural hair Jin colors jinx and also has blue hair oh yeah jinx also has blue hair of course you have blue hair and pronouns um <laughs> but 
they they uh, their faces are asymmetrical as well as their their overall designs are asymmetrical as well you have one bang over jinx's uh, over jinx's face and then on the opposite you have her like full sleeve tat so like it's it's a lot of visual um a lot of fun with asymmetry and visuals but to the point where like they don't you're right they don't look like models they don't have these perfectly symmetrical um perfectly their 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 skin has impurities as well people have textures textured face they have wrinkles under their eyes they 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 look you know they look like people which is in a, in a show that is to a degree quite stylized they still are showing us very like comparatively normal looking people even though it's like a high fantasy show like uh mel has like asymmetrical eyebrows like that's just a normal thing that most people have is that their eyebrows are not symmetrical but mel's are slightly asymmetrical and her smile is slightly asymmetrical and so it's really cool to see characters that are just sort of normal <laughs> like they've got faces that are normal and bodies that are normal and bodies that are, are variable like they're not afraid to make our our female uh character especially in vi and um oh god what's her name silko's right hand woman i think her name oh, like savika 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 and vi are these two like absolutely shredded ladies um and they have Feels real like real oxes. muscle yeah, they have real muscle. They're not. They're also not like terribly th- skinny either. They're muscular and they're they have you know some weight to them. And then they also have characters like that that are that are muscular and and big, like just big all around. Um, then they have like Jinx, who's who's very sort of lithe, and that's also kind of shown in her fighting style and her her technique which is very sort of acrobatic and dynamic and and fluid um yeah so it's just like the 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 way that they especially when you compare it to which is going to beg comparison when you compare it to league of legends the designs of many of the characters um and their league counterparts you can really see the kind of visual improvement they made with the characters, not just like making sure Drinks's outfit makes sense for someone who's like a bouncy sort of just on the cusps of teenagehood, like almost into an adulthood thing. So she's no longer wearing a bikini top. She's wearing more a more sensible sort of like sports bra crop top thing. They they emphasize the fact that, yeah, this is a teenager. So stop thirst trapping. <laughs> yeah. And like or Jinx's drawing original- thirst traps. <laughs> Jinx's original design is one of, like, the league design is one of my least favorite uh, league designs ever, I think. She's got this, and you can tell, this is where you can tell she, she really does take from Harley Quinn, because she's got this this very, very pale skin, these bright, uh, like, pinkish red eyes, and she's wearing, like, a bikini top, like a, like a triangle bikini top. Um, she's du- very, very thin. Color. Which is like yeah. the Harley Quinn thing. Yeah, yeah. She she has the two tone outfit too. Yeah, that's that's like also very uh Oh yeah, uh sorry. Uh Vi has a a, a scar both over her eyebrow and over her lip, which is and she yeah. looks like she she has a, a ridge from a broken nose as well. 
And just like the facial shape of her, her face, uh, as you could have guessed where my sentence was going, mm. um, <laughs> it isn't like the more, I suppose, feminine, like conventionally feminine facial shape, mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. Same with Savika and then with Caitlin, her, she has what a lot of people, unfortunately, including in um, Asian communities, uh, almond, well, dubbed almond eyes, um, where the eyelids come down a certain degree and the eyes horizontally are a certain length. And mm. there are plenty of places, especially in Asia, where they'll get plastic surgery to get rid of that extra eye eyelid, essentially, because it's viewed as um, as in something ugly. Uh, so that the inclusion of all these little, just these little things, even, um, are just outstanding in my opinion yeah i think uh, a discussion one of body types and also of, of just caitlin in general caitlin's caitlin's a great character because her not only was her design so so infinitely improved <laughs> as well from her oh, league yeah. design which was this stupid looking fucking so so she's pin-up. her champion she title doll. is yeah her champion title mm-hmm. is caitlin the sheriff of piltover um and as such she has like this sort of like sniper sort of vibe she it's like a shotgun but she also can do it sort of from a long range so i i don't know but um her original design looks like she came from a circus like she's got this big stupid fucking hat she's wearing these this it's very much like a barmaid sort of outfit where you know she's got the more sort of dirndl-esque top and if you don't know what you know like her you know her they've covered her tits recently but it's got this like (laughs) sort of corseting bit and then she's got this frilly skirt and they keep those elements in arcane she still wears a skirt she's got this um she's got the the frills at the bottom but they're not so in the way they're not so over the top she looks less like a lingerie costume and more like a feminine version of a police outfit which she's a member of the the piltover you know guard or police so it makes sense and She's also not, at least to my knowledge, her she wasn't originally meant to be Asian coded or looking to have Asian no, kind of not background. At all. And she so, was just she was British. That was it. Period. <laughs> she's and now she's like Asian. She's a British, an Asian British person who, yeah, you know, obviously tons of people like that exist, and they they take the opportunity of showing Caitlin's parents and showing you know she has the the, the, the her facial shape. And her her what her her visual looks are meant to evoke a very uh, you know a specific sort of like racial background in in a good way I mean like you know like she looks Asian and her parents are Asian and she's Asian which she wasn't before they made her Asian and that's I think a good thing because um, and they've the, the diversity of characters that they did add and the way that they like changed Jace from a very white looking dude to a more i think kind of ambiguous you can we don't see his his background as much so like the fact that it's it's a little bit more we get variants in skin tones and variants in, in facial features where people can say hey that looks like me not just like a bunch of white people and um oh yeah about caitlin's body type is she's also quite thin but she's she's in in this sort of like military police guard so she's she's quite muscular um, she's tall. She's very. Um, she's she's 
more muscular than Jinx is, though, though Jinx is also has muscle to her, but she's more, she's got like broader shoulders, thicker arms, but is still like, you know, there's a good ver- variety of body type. It's not just like, here's our skinny person. Here's our like jacked lady. We have like a variation between all of the characters. And we have men who are skinny, men who are, who are like, uh, large and muscular men who are like fat and muscular men who are just fat. Like there's that, there's that variance everywhere too, which is really nice to see. And I, I gotta say that, um, with, I think I hit my mic there, which kind of sucks. That's but, all right. Um, maybe I'll edit it out. Uh, yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but I won't say it. with Chase, I, I always got the impression, I think it might be in part because he, he like reminds me of Mark, um, in terms yeah, of look. He... he, but also just, I think in general, his look is kind of like supposed to be Hispanic coded. Yeah. No, I think definitely yeah. like. Which I, which I like, cause you don't really see people who either look like hispanic people or are coded as hispanic people in just fantasy um settings very often um so that was that was very very cool and another thing with caitlin and the being asian thing um i love that they don't do a lot of god a lot of um asian characters have this thing where people are like oh they're asian so we're gonna then assign like some random like they're gonna have this dragon or they're gonna have this uh like you're in a fantasy world where nobody else has an ascribed like connection to their ethnicity or racial background so why do you got to give it just to the asian character you know but they didn't do that here which was very very refreshing yeah, I think um Yes, it was it was good that that in making Caitlyn Asian they didn't make they didn't change any other like real aspects of her design that would make her push her more into a caricature. Like they didn't they first of all, they 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 do a good job at this in that they the accents that the characters have are more befitting of their status in the world rather than like you know, they, first of all, they don't have Caitlyn be an outsider as an Asian. They don't have her being from a very clearly like Orientalist designed place and being placed new to Piltover. You know, she has a British accent. She is is embedded in this culture of Piltover. Yes, she looks Asian, but that's you know sort of it's it, it, League of Legends characters are not are not divided by race in the same way that geographically speaking in the same way that we we sometimes think of our world so you know she's not like if, uh, i guess my best comparison right now is to like shadow and bone if you've if you've read or 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 watched that I show neither the asian coded characters come from an asian coded place and they're 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 then the receive um orientalist or or like orientalist coded racism because of that because the whole sort of series is kind of based on these central and eastern european and asian 
countries and cultures. Um, and so, like, I'm very glad that they, they don't treat any of the, like, Echoes the same way. They don't treat, um, or Mel, like, they're, they're from different places, sure. Or they're, like, Mel, Mel's mom is, is from, um, oh, shit. It's the same place Draven is Ma- from. No, wait. I was about to say Medardo. That's her last name. That is her name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brack, Bra- something Axia? Brack. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, hmm. it's, it's, it's been a Nox- Noxus. Noxia. Noxian, yeah. Noxia. Noxia. <laughs> but they, you know, Noxia isn't like only full of dark-skinned people. The peop- the the characters from, from Noxia have a range of skin tones and sort of ethnic codes to them. Like Darius and Draven are very white dudes. <laughs> But Samira is has this sort of Middle Eastern coding, and Rel is looks uh, more like she's of African descent or mixed African descent. So, like, I think that's a a cool thing that one honors the game, and also is like it adds more representation in a way that we can like still show people that they can exist in this world. And not have to have them question, like, like, I guess I'm thinking of the controversy recently with the new Lord of the Rings show where they have black elves and black dwarves and people are like, well, elves can't be black or dwarves can't be black. And it's like, there's at no point stated within the Lord of the Rings that, like, books or otherwise, that these characters can't have, can't look like the way real world people of different ethnicities and races look. It's, it's also fantasy just, race. Why are you getting so up in arms about what they look like? Yeah, exactly, right? exactly. And so when you get to see like a character like Mel, who's very, you know, very African coded, she has this these this, like gorgeous, like braided, intricate hair, dark skin. You know, she's a a great, very cool character visually, and she's also like not out of place like that. It's not like she's with a bunch a ton of other white people and they don't make any sense and it's like it, it's good it's good the way that they that they've approached their character design and i really like it um, yeah i also people... just like looking at mel's face yes That's... i love the makeup they gave her with the gold flecks yeah um, but one another thing is that when it comes to us versus them mentality it's a lot less based on like skin tone and things like that it's more based on uh region of origin and like social class um rather than race and and ethnicity and things like that um so that's also a nice change but uh uh getting getting back to to act one as a thing um some something I I I've like I remember texting the group chat about this. The scene where I think it's like episode it's in episode three or something, but where they are in the arcade and they turn on like this black light stuff, like setting in the arcade to escape. Oh yes. I love that aesthetic so much. Just the neon colors and the bluish light. Oh. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's this um, like it's their target shooting arcade right yeah 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 that it's very if you like neon colors the nice another cool thing is that the colors are vibrant but not always like bright 
Um, but but then you get these brilliant shocks of like of neon pink and green and yellow and blue. And so like if if those are things that call out to you, which are you know things that I really really like visually, um, you're gonna enjoy the visual feast that is this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to comment basically on like how we the fact that we we start how we see um the divergence of Vi and Jinx's relationship at that sort of point. Mm-hmm. Because of the death of Vander and how they uh both kind of choose their sides. Yeah, I mean like one thing about that is uh, I mean there's the color of the hair, like that whole difference. But also even just the backgrounds that we see of them as they are taken to what is going to be their future. Um, oh yeah, yeah. You you have you have Jinx who, in the embrace of Silco, there's fire behind her. You see the reflection of of, or not the reflection of the fire. You see the the from crying the redness of her eye, and then with Vi who had tried to get back to her, upon seeing Silco, you see her being pulled into darkness essentially. Um. So even just that. Uh, juxtaposition I think well I mean I don't know I can't think of like an actual connection uh, with significance of each specific situation Um, I think it does lend some very important like enforcing of the the concept that these two are going down completely different paths because of the different um, the different for lack of a better term alleys that they've been now pulled into oh yeah i think i think duality and it's like is what permeates this entire series is this sort of this idea of there being two sides and one of the central conflicts is this idea that there doesn't need to be two sides and this Mm -hmm. You know, people growing up in a system where it was always an us versus them mentality are then faced with the option to have it be a, okay, we just, what if we are able to work together in a way that will will kind of help us both out? Like, how do we put aside our differences and and show forgiveness, even if people don't necessarily deserve it in order to move on? And so, like, the end of this, this sort of cutting ahead to our, to our conversation of the latter act of the of the last act is like how do we you know there's a decision to be made there and that last mm-hmm. act sort of asks and answers that question of where will our characters go what is their what side are they choosing and it's not just like a it's not just like a zon versus piltover it's like a uniting the people of zon and piltover or or continuing that that rift between them and vi and jinx are these like they're these emblematic characters for that entire point yeah. Um, I guess that's where we should pro- I guess that's, yeah, where we'll probably end our discussion of Act 1, so we'll head into Act 2. Again, this whole format uh, and, and structure, it's very loosey-goosey, but, um, you know, this is somewhat of a scaffolding for our conversation. Um, but, side note, Remy, my, the beta fish, has now just pushed himself into some plants and gotten himself stuck right in the corner near where I am um, and is struggling to get out because he is not the smartest despite my love for him. Okay, he finally got out. And he is swimming back into the plants. I give up. I don't know. 
I give up. <laughs> beta fish are so good at getting into places where you specifically do not want them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. They like getting themselves stuck. They like laying on things and looking dead. Um, mm. They like making you panic like any pet or any child for that matter. Anything you care for. <laughs> oh, it's it is actually it's so, so stressful. Having keeping um keeping fish is very very stressful in ways that I feel like um other pets are not because well, you I can't mean, just like they're literally not supposed to exist in the form that we are living in. <laughs> they have to live in water ecosystem. We have to live in air ecosystem. Uh, so. That's probably why, I would think. Yo, the character model for Vi in League is, like, her tits are, like, in the wrong... Yeah, no, it's awful, Ooh. dude. The The art for Vi, too. They're so um, low. Why are they so low? Just the, all the art for Vi looks weird and off. The just, I forget what character. It's it's some, like, Zonian who was new, like, a year ago, who had green hair. Something about how they drew oh, the face really chem, put me off. That I was like chick. Maybe, I don't know, but her face in the art just, it looked so off. It made me think of, like, a Chucky doll. Um, oh, yeah, Zell? Zeri. Yeah, yeah, Zell. I did not like that at all. Well, there's Rel <laughs> and there's Zeri. Zeri has green hair. Oh, Zeri, I probably. just couldn't read the thing that the font was small. Probably Zeri, I had to think. Um, like, she's kind of cute, but she's also very much like a TikTok. She's got an e-girl vibe to her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I digress. Um, <laughs> Act two. Woo. Act two. Um, we've had a so, time skip. Yes, big one. So, uh, I mean, we've already talked about the character models that we see here, essentially. Um, yeah. But it is very interesting to see how both Piltover and the Undercity, which becomes Zon, um, have changed within this time span. They don't actually give an official time span within the show. I think they were doing a promotional thing for League of Legends where you could see um, logs from different characters, and they had said a certain number of years, but it, even then it was still kind of loosey-goosey. It's more based um, on their the general ages of, of yeah. So it's Jinx. it's like it's it can be a pretty well assumed I think that in Act One, um, Vi is about like fifteen ish, uh, with mm -hmm. Jinx being like eleven or twelve, um, and then in Act Two, um, Vi is probably like like super early twenties. Um, I, I whenever I think of it, I think of it as like a six to seven year gap. Yeah. Um, with Jinx just being like 17 or something, 18. Oh, uh, oh yeah, I think this is actually a good thing to point out, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming most people who have uh, who are listening to this, if anybody listens to this, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, have, have seen Arcane, but yeah, the, the thing about the first act and the second is that the first act, Zahn is not a thing yet, even though if you're coming from a League lore background, you know that these which characters are, are considered Zaunites and which of them are considered from Piltover. But in Act 1, Zaun is not a, a thing yet. It is just basically the the poor sort of slum areas of Piltover that are just 
considered this sort of underworld area. They're not like they're not like a centralized f- system or, or or they're not like their own centralized government yet. But then that in the time skip we show an entire you know empire has been built by Silco and this mm-hmm. this idea of creating a new a new um like community or, or, or a new I don't want to say kingdom principality <laughs> area a new state that is Zahn um which I think is also kind of again showing that bi- that binary that is runs throughout this entire show which is like to have a Zahn or to not like once you once Zahn becomes Zahn right it 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 is no longer linked to Piltover and so that's kind of like throwing away that last chance at, at rebuilding the relationship between the people of Zahn and the people of Piltover. And the question is, should that even be a goal of people or should they just be left alone as they are currently left alone? Yeah. Um, so, and it's, um, everyone in that conflict has good points. That's the thing. All of them are super reasonable points. Um, whether or not they should, I guess for better, for better or worse, secede. Secede, yeah, secede from, mm-hmm. <laughs> from the union. No, from, um, from partnership with Piltover, and whether or not Piltover should allow independence. Um, and then, just general, uh, even just the views between the two, um, views of people from Piltover, of those from the Undercity, and vice versa. They none of them feel, none of them feel like they're forced, um, and it doesn't feel like there's any straw manning in terms of this person's bad, this person's bad. Even Silco is r- extremely well written. Um, he, you can, you obviously can tell what he has done is not is like fucking shitty. I mean, he's but, a drug lord. Yes, but you can also see just the actual, even if the way he expresses it is not healthy or good. He does truly love Jinx um, and wants her to uh, be happy and do her best, even if what he interprets that as is is not the best thing. Um, he does care about her, which is super, super well done. Um, people who ship the two together, I don't understand. I um, but. yeah, he is officially like Jinx's adopted, like canonically Jinx's adoptive father. So we're not gonna, mm-hmm. we're not gonna entertain that thought <laughs> from the age of about eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's not, and sh- and she's probably like what, like eight, seventeen, eighteen, she's nineteen like, in the yeah. by the end of the third act, you know. Yes, like an, she's like just barely an adult, if if maybe and not even. He an was adult. he was like a full adult when she was a child. Or He's like in his like fifties in the second. Yeah. Act. Um, yeah. What was I gonna say? Oh yeah, um, not just Silco. The thing about Silco, and I think the thing that shows how good the writing is, is that Silco is not only just motive. You know, he's he's not only a good character because he sh- he he shows genuine love for Jinx and for other people. Like I think for Savi- he also genuinely cares for Savika and the people around him. In fact, his major motivation, though he he does it in a very um, 
unquestionably awful way is to allow Zahn in his, you know, his image of Zahn to come to fruition in a way that he he no longer wants to be a part of the downtrodden. Now, we recognize Silco's methods as a bad, as bad, but in when we think of in real life, there are people in the, in this world who are fuel who are doing these you know doing these criminal actions with the intention to help lift up themselves and lift up their communities. I mean that's what that's what drug lords do. That's what it's also to get power. That is, and that is probably also selfishly motivated, but. There are also, you know, people are tired of being downtrodden, and sometimes people will do bad things to 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 gain the power they need necessary to no longer be a down, you know, considered downtrodden and oppressed. And sometimes people will will do it in ways that are a little bit more, I don't know, uh, democratic, I guess, or you know, a little a little bit less poisoning people with drugs. Um, I mean, if you if you treat if you dehumanize people, they are bound to act inhuman i think that is a pattern we see everywhere um when it comes to oppression of groups of people and what occurs because of it yeah and i think i think this backdrop of socioeconomic oppression and of of these cultural and economic differences that were shown in the Undercity versus Piltover is th- th- that is at the backdrop that that lays our sort of scene of what is also happening in Act Two, which is an industrial revolution in the um, sort of findings the 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 scientific findings of Victor and Jace, who have found this sort of amazing power source, this amazingly powerful crystal. That that can power these fantastic machine, you know, machine devices, and it's one of those things. I think it asks a really, really cool question, which is, you know, as industries improve and as science marches forward, how are these innovations going to be used? And with a mounting sort of civil war on their hands, are these bold new adventures and frontiers that that Jason Victor are, are showing um, and are, are, are playing with and developing this sort of it's called Hextech how are they going to what what are their goals with it how are they going to use it and so there's like a kind of a political question at the at the center of that as when we watch the plot that unfolds between Jace and Victor and the people in Piltover is what are we doing with this new innovation? How do we want to use it? And one of those is like, do we want to use it in an oppress in an oppressive capacity? And for our main characters, the answer is really no. How do we prevent that from happening? And how do we, you know, should I even continue to work on on Hextech if it's going to hurt, potentially hurt people? Is I think one of the questions that's asked. So like, it's all very applicable to. Our, even though it's a steampunk fantasy sci-fi show, it's asking all these like very important sort of real world questions. And it puts Victor and Jace, who, who neither of which are sort of native people of Piltover, neither of them are 
are people. Um, Victor is from the Undercity, grew up in the Undercity, and is uh, he's physically and visibly disabled. Um, he he's just like I think the poster child for looking like an outsider boy. And then you have Jace, who is kind of more of the face of their work because he's a little bit more palatable to the people of Piltover. And as Jace gets more and more fame for their combined contributions, and he gets these he he gets these meetings with the the people who run the city, he he's gaining political power as well as um, sort of social power. And as the science sort of expands, that's when their morals are really really questioned. Um, and again, that's where another divergence is seen. Is like where where are we going with these innovations? So you have our kind of, I think we have, this is why I say we have like four protagonists or four main characters in Jinx and in Vi and in Jace and in Victor. Although uh, Caitlin sits there, sits within there somewhere. And I'm not quite sure where, where she sits, but act two really kind of follows this, this new sort of industrial revolution of the hex tech. Um, and the questions that it asks, which are really interesting. I I don't really have much to add to that. Uh, that was pretty pretty well said. Um, I'm just trying to think of other stuff in Act Two to talk about. Music choice, music choice throughout the entire series. Um, but I feel like Act Two has has some good standouts. Um, so apparently, again from that that behind the scenes series, uh, the actual um the actual songs themselves were written by the the uh, creative team on the show and then performed by uh, other um, artists but they had it where uh, multiple artists would try for that same song and so that would change the writing of the song depending on who they chose um, so it would actually fit the the essence of their voice more or the instrument more which I think mm-hmm. turned out really really well yeah, I mean, Riot suffers from an intense love of Imagine Dragons, but... Oh, God. Oh, God. Don't get me started. Thank... Hey, can we just thank our lucky stars that Lil Nas X was the world's uh, artist this year and not another uh, uh, debut from Imagine Dragons? And they're not I, bad songs, but they're a stadium. I rock. don't... I don't... I, I, have, I have said it so many times. I have an issue with Imagine Dragons where... It, it, even in the older songs, like, I listened to them, I enjoyed them, but there comes a point, there comes a breaking point, where it's just too much, where instrumentally, yeah, it'll sound fine, but the singing voice of the lead vocalist sounds so much like 45-year-old man in a boardroom trying to do Christian rock, and I hate it. It That's just so doesn't meld. It and nothing against the guy. It just doesn't. The genre he's in doesn't mix with his voice well at all. Like I don't even like the song "Demons" all that much, but his voice worked a lot better there than it does for something like "Thunder" or for something like um, "Enemy." Yeah. Again, and they're not bad songs on paper, and the, they're. I think they're sort of. The music side of it is 
really fun and fits league quite well yeah. but the vo- the the lead male vocalist well lead lead vocalist they i don't think they have any they've ever had any women on their track no um it's bad <laughs> like there yeah the song itself is fun like there's a um there's a great cover by i think it's anna anna patsu or something on um on youtube and same with one from rainery who do the song and it sounds great um, and my favorite part of like the the song "Enemy" is the rap bit in the official music video, because uh, that feels like it has energy. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah again g- great song, and the and the soundtrack to Arcane as a whole is very good. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of different sort of very. The soundtrack is as colorful as the show itself is. I think. Yes. I think that's fair to say. It's very diverse in sound. Mm. Yes. You have like a western track, you have some rap tracks, you have like a punk rock track, you have um like an uh R&B like almost jazzy feel track. I love One Love. That that's a very like I don't know, it's a song that like gives comfort, I feel like. Yeah. Or our love, not one love. <laughs> I was about to say, I, you know, I didn't know enough about it to really say anything. <laughs> uh, but I was also be like, well, what? <laughs> I I will agree with um. I've I heard this this critique. I forget where, but a while ago, that Arcane is at its peak when it's just being a music video. Um, and I I honestly would have to agree to some to some extent. Uh, in terms of like. The creativity and the animation itself, when you're in those those quote unquote like music video portions, um, are superb. And then it's not that the rest isn't good. I think it just they are so good at making music video kind of abstract esque scenes. Yeah, they are. They, they, there's there's one. I think this is an act two. It might be an act three. There's this one fight between Jinx and Echo. That's that's act. Uh, that's end of act two. Right. End of act two. Right? Okay. There's this amazing fight between Jinx and Echo, and it's very, very, very cool. Like, or no, no, it's act three. It's act three. Oh, is it? Damn. Yeah. Because end of act two is when they uh, the fireflies grab or firelights, not fireflies. Firelights grab um Vi and Caitlin. Oh, oh, at the top of the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, um, acts two and three, like, merge and meld more than the first one does, just because well, it's the act same. One is, like, there's no like time skip. Yeah, there's yeah. no time skip between two and three, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it gets, it gets really fun, really cool, and colorful. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm looking at act one, Jinx. This is... Where do you talking about <laughs> Act One? But the way she just looks like such a real kid. Yeah, like it kind of breaks my heart. <laughs> and that's one of the benefits of having a kid voice um, a child in animation because you can get amazing. Sorry, I'm eating some string cheese. Uh... <laughs> More string cheese. Yeah, I didn't have lunch. That's um, okay. You can get some amazing performances out of adults doing children, of course. Like. They have a great. They usually have a lot of experience, um, but with children, there's certain level of vulnerability and and like naivete. Even if the character isn't naive, 
but just that quality to their voice and how they experience emotion. Yeah. You can, and you can definitely tell too when 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 the voice actor or actress or whatever is a child versus an adult playing a child and yeah. Yeah, it's definitely it's so much more powerful when you're like, "Damn, this is a kid." You can really feel like, "Damn, this is a kid." Mm-hmm. Um, a kid is going through these emotions. That I believe like, fact this is in Act Two, and I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons why we wanted to talk about Arcane on this, other than us both <laughs> loving the show, yes, it's, it's Act Two. Yes, yes. Um, Vi and Caitlin get a lot of bonding time in this act. Bonding, and they, and they were roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. They go to a brothel together, uh, looking for information, not just. It's not just like a. They don't just have like a, a fucking uh, Game of Thrones sex scene. Yeah, that'd be funny though. Oh, <laughs> oh, speaking of sex scenes, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. I know what you're. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I still think that's so funny. Um, <laughs> Vi and Caitlin's relationship is really, really developed in the show in a way that it isn't in the lore. Just like all the other relationships are are, are better developed, but Vi and Caitlin mm-hmm. are in in the game lore have been like implicated as having been in, being in a relationship with each other in- yeah, though n- never never like too heavily because riot is a company that's heavily heavily owned and monitored by a chinese company where they do not like portrayal of queer characters yeah the uh the the popularity and and sort of involvement of the of the Chinese government and of China in riots and league is yeah kind of prohibitive, but um, in in the show they are I mean it's a Netflix original so it's mm-hmm. not even it's going made, to China anyway <laughs> and it's made by Fortiche who is a French company oh legit oh yeah Fortiche and the French. As a child of one, they have a lot of assholery to them, but... As a, as a child of the French. <laughs> yes. Um, as they, There's a lot of assholery, as many French people will admit, but they are much more open about um, LGBTQ plus than somewhere like China. <laughs> Everyone in France is gay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> They're hey, either man. snooty or they're gay. <laughs> I'm French Canadian. I've got a little bit of credence there. Um, <laughs> there you go. But dude, uh, dude, the weirdest thing to think about is that I was adopted from Vietnam, which was uh, the French held colony, by right? the French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> by a French dude. <laughs> Colon- you can't escape colonialism, man. No, you can't, dude. I've been assimilated. Oh man, <laughs> adopted by the enemy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so Vi and Caitlin have this very active flirty relationship. Um, Vi calls Caitlin cupcake. It's very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but they end up, you know, not only are they flirting and it's not just like, haha, look at this. They end up legitimately, you know, showing them evolving a relationship, which also has this Romeo and Juliet vibe to it, which... As you know, as I've said multiple times already, 
the show is, is all about different worlds and different just differences you know almost you know this idea that there might be a, there may or may not be a binary choice in things um or like it may seem like there's a binary choice but there really isn't and so like vi who is a rough like the first time we meet adult vi she's in prison vi is a is a delinquent she is a criminal some might say she is from the the under you know the undercity she's very different from caitlin who's like this perfect um very regimented guard or police uh captain she police captain at some point Uh, no she's not like a captain she isn't considered a captain she's i think just like a like a private or something she's not actually like high leveled <laughs> at all but sh- she's part of the um police force and like kind of operates in almost a detective ca- capacity yes. for the piltover police um and so like these two characters which are which are both like sort of literally visually at odds with each other because caitlin is blue coated and vi is like pink red coated they're literally they're literally made to look different um but also like from different worlds and they have this really sort of very adorable natural chemistry um which is explored throughout acts two and three um and it's it's very gay which is great because vi like even from her horrible horrible league designs like she's a gay woman (laughs) like you can't look at her and not say that's not a gay woman. well i mean she's i will one some people there there is a crowd who will look at her and see a straight woman who isn't into men, but also, like, they could get with her type thing. There's that whole... Oh, God. I, like, I was a, thinking, like, I can fix you if you just have some good dick or something? Uh, exactly. Like I was talking to my dad about this, because it's so fucking prevalent. Where yeah. people will be like, oh, no, you just you just hate men, or... Uh, oh no no you just haven't had, haven't had have, have you yet. have you had like you haven't had a good dick yet or oh you don't know until you try it's like bro have you taken a dick <laughs> how do yeah, you know seriously, how do you know you're how not do you dead? know you don't like it <laughs> um but yeah there are a lot everyone of should be bisexual like no and so i can definitely see a certain crowd especially since the game was originally for a certain crowd um interpreting her design that way yeah. I, gay, I so. what, one thing I love um is in uh in the brothel when Vi first sees that that Caitlin Caitlin swings the same way. Mm. Um uh she does this she, like she does a double take, sees that uh Caitlin is chatting with another woman and does this certain like smile and look. As she walks away, it made me think so much of Kristen Stewart, like her expression. I don't know why. Yeah, actually, you know what? I I agree. Like the, maybe it's the side, like the side smile, laugh thing. But Kristen Stewart has this very cheeky kind of face, this very she almost does. broy kind of vibe. Yeah, and you kind of get that same vibe from Vi, I think. Yeah, it's just that one time though. It's just that one time that she really reminds me of her. All right, I'm going to talk about the sex scene now. <laughs> you mean the the sex and Sigma grind set scene? <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so <sighs> regardless of how you conceptualize the relationship between Jace and Victor, what the fuck was that? 
<laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I'll ask a third time. What the fuck was that? So, <laughs> to be a little more specific, there is a part in, I think it's Act 2, it might be Act 3, uh, yeah, where... Been, yeah, I don't know which one anymore. <laughs> Jace and Victor are meant to be working on this stabilizing the hex tech like power core i I believe in in like you know trying to work on something because they need to present to the council or or whatever you know deadlines work whatever but jace who has this evolving relationship with mel who is on the council um is instead on a date basically you know chilling with mel while vic vic is victor is literally like steps away from killing himself over over this work that he's doing because he's he's messing with some really sort of not good stuff some stuff that is like actively like sapping energy from him and he's already disabled and so he's trying to like kind of work on it uh to to see if he could both you know stabilize it and also eventually create like an advancement for himself as like a mobility aid um So we have this this scene that Jace and Mel are having are having sex. We have a sex scene. And then in between cuts of them having sex, we have Victor basically dying. Like falling on the floor and dying. All while there's this like very like there's this like kind of celestial pattern. There's like very trippy sort of like like space stuff visually happening while while Jace and Mel are literally like orgasming or whatever. And Victor's like fucking dying and it is I, it is so funny <laughs> i've come to so terms funny. i've come to terms with that scene a bit more it, let me get closer to the mic um <laughs> yeah i've come to terms with it a bit more i think that what they were trying to go for as like as unintentionally funny as that scene is um i believe it was because during that scene victor was trying to essentially like change and that was, I think, his first attempt to merge with the uh, hex core. No, he was just trying to change it. Never mind. Um, his merge attempt is later. But I think it was either, A, they were trying to show just the contrast in worries um, and, like, what is going on between Jace and Victor and how almost trivial um, Jace's concerns are at the moment. Or, B, I think that it was some trying to parallel either um, either Victor's, like, f- like, obsession with the hex core and, like, what was going on with Jace and Mel, or some sort of, m- like, metaphorical union between Victor and, and the, the hex, hex core. See, I, I see it as a way of showing the divergence in priorities that Victor and Jace have at that at that point, despite the fact that they're meant to be partners. Um, <clears throat> it is really funny to be like, "Ha, you're almost dying while your bro's getting dicked down." Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's, I think it's it's another one of those things where it's like there's the choice there, and it's the choice of science versus these like sort of social pressures. And Victor, the outcast, is going, you know, is going to try and choose this life-improving science over playing along with the rules of Piltover society. Whereas Jace, who's concerned about his reputation on the council, and also, you know, he's not, he's not not into Mel, but there's also, like, a, 
there's a social advantage of being with Mel as well. Mm-hmm. And Mel knows that too. Like she's very shrewd in that. So it's like you're showing like, you know, the Jace is kind of buying into being a Piltover citizen and like kind of buying into the thing that we're shown is is all, you know, this inequality whereas Victor's like he 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 doesn't feel that he fits in the society and he he never will at this point. And so he's going to try and work on this thing which he thinks will actually improve the lives of people not only in Piltover but hopefully in the undercity as well. Hmm. Um it, but it is just it's it's really funny as especially with too. like I, I don't really believe it but there is some like minor homoerotic tension between Victor and Jace. <laughs> Like, Jace does come running to Victor's side once he realizes that Victor's, like, almost dead. Um, I love the meme value of that. But that's okay. We, they, like, they, like, no homo, bro. We're, like, brothers it a little bit. Which is, it's, like, it's fine. It's whatever. But it it is just, like, the first time I watched that that sex scene, I was, like, oh, my dude. Because emotionally, I was, like, I felt so bad for Victor. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, it's like, oh, and Jace is getting some pussy. Nice. <laughs> I remember literally, like, actually in my room laughing, like, out loud about it. Yeah. No, me too. I, I was sitting there going, like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> oh my god, I'm um, so Gen Z. I was literally lolling. Literally lolling. Rafflecopter. Um... So, I feel like we so we've been recording for an hour and thirteen minutes. Do yeah, you so a want to have a discussion of Act Three later, or b skip right now to Act Three? Um, let's see. I think let's do Act Three later, just because I have stuff I gotta do, and also yeah, and I, my uh, voice. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> Yeah, it'll make editing easier. I'm going to try and edit it within the next few days. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to do, we're going to do an outro. Do you want to do the outro? Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to sure. cut out that little deliberation. <laughs> yeah, so that I think is where we're going to put a pin in our discussion of Arcane, the League of Legends show. Um, we're going to come back and talk about Act 3 because Act 3 has... It's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot in there. There's a lot. Yep. Um, and so we just want to say, you know, <clears throat> check out our Twitter. We're on Twitter at uh, Queerly Podcast, I believe. Um, Queerly we underscore a- podcast. Yep. You can tell I've been banned from Twitter because I don't remember that. <laughs> um, <laughs> at Queerly underscore podcast why. on Twitter. Our website is QueerlyAPodcast.com. Yes www.queerlyapodcast.com Yes, and uh, you can also email us email us bleh, at queerlyapodcast at gmail.com Unless I'm wrong. Yes. I okay. mean, I think, I believe so. I believe so. And <laughs> you're, you're, you're the, you're, you set up the email. I have no, I have no clue. Hey, it's been a minute, you know? Um, no worries. I mean, we're just going to... I'm just going to cut out this little bit and just say that, yes, that is where you can email us. And also, if you liked this episode or didn't like this episode or uh, want to dis- us to discuss any other, like, cool gay shit, 
um please hit us up on any anything we have some submission sections on our website or on twitter or email us or i don't know send a homing pigeon our way um because we'd love to hear from literally anybody (laughs) please god we're so lonely (laughs) i um i'll also be posting something on the arcane subreddit about this uh and so if you are from there hi thank you for listening and Leave a comment on there if you do have any submissions, or not submissions, uh, questions or opinions um, as well. I think we're done. (laughs) I think that's it.